Hello, Air Warriors, and welcome to another episode of Chevrons, the podcast The Enlisted Force. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan. And I'm Airman First Class Francesca Skardoulis. Uh, today we have a couple of great guests. Um, Chief Master Sergeant Lorraine Kitzmiller. Uh, she is the Enlisted Strategic Planner for the Senior Enlisted Advisor to the Chief of the National Guard Bureau. And we have A1C Kenoyer of our own Force Services Support Squadron. I keep wanting to say flight all the time, but you guys have just branched into a squadron and uh, really high-speed airmen doing great things. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Chief Kitzmiller. Um, Good morning. Because we have a little bit of past, I could probably answer this for you, but I'm going to let you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your military story, and uh, what's your current position? Currently, I am the strategic planner for the senior enlisted advisor at the Chief of the National Guard Bureau, so I'm working at the Pentagon. My past military uh, experience started out uh, with me being in the Navy. I did four years in the Navy. I worked on a tugboat. I did that, I believe, out of spite because my father was in the Army. He was not real pleased with that decision. Uh, From there, I went into the Army Guard and eventually found my way into the Air National Guard. A lot of my career was spent doing air vac, um, deployed several times doing that mission, great mission of mercy. Um, And then from there, uh, became a first sergeant. Uh, That was a big dream of mine. And then the first sergeant functional and command chief at the 144th in Fresno and now at the Pentagon. Pretty outstanding. Amber Kenoyer, don't think that you have to match that, <laughs> that uh, um, you know, uh, duty for duty, but tell us about yourself and, uh, and as well as your civilian experiences. So I enlisted in 2017. Um, I've been with services the whole time. I actually tried to enlist as a personnel member, but um, they were losing spots in the FSS, so I had to find somewhere else to go. I chose services. Um, and I've loved it ever since. I wouldn't change it for a thing. Um, outside of the National Guard, I am in college at Bridgewater State, and I'm hoping to get my bachelor's degree in May of 2022. I was saying, what are you studying? Health science. Oh, nice. Yes. Oh, right up my alley. We'll, we'll talk more offline. <laughs> One of the things I, I wanted to talk about or start a conversation with is what leadership means. At our various levels, you know, here we are with a chief master sergeant that has, you know, been at every level of the enterprise and, you know, an airman that's still in a first term. And Aaron Kenora, I got to tell your story because I think it's important for the entire listed force to see how it works and and why I reached to your commander to handpick you to come onto Chevron's. So we're doing the operation, uh, the, uh, what was the Game of Thrones? Uh, Operation Iron Throne. Mm -hmm. I love Game of Thrones. And there was a field kitchen that we were setting up, and the mortuary affairs uh, tent or area was set up too close to the field kitchen, which is a, a big violation of an AFI. And here you are at an airman that's supposed to be performing in the tactical realm, and you identified an operational discrepancy, and you were empowered to go to your leadership, and the correction was made. I cannot think of a better example of leadership at all levels and empowerment than that. So first and foremost, I wanted to thank you for that. But what led you to that decision, and what does leadership mean to you as a, as, as a senior airman? So to the getting to that decision, um, already going into the training, I already knew they were going to like try to trip us up on a few things because it is our job to identify something like that. So we had like a layout of how they laid out everything. So I saw, you know, like you said, 
the two things too close together, and I was like, this doesn't seem right. So I, uh, I brought it up to uh, Senior Master Sergeant Brown, um, and he was like, yeah, I don't think that is right. That's not right. So then we just had to outsource to other units to see if a uh, better place for it to be moved, pretty much. Um, so I think leadership-wise, I think that, like I said, they did that on purpose to see if we were ready to identify something like that. And then me bringing it up to leadership, they, they like uh, Senior Master Sergeant Brown, he just helped me um, like communicate with the correct people to get it moved. So the leadership and services, I think, is, they're very good leaders. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Chief, same question to you. What does leadership mean at your level? As people make decisions, um, you know, just like the the senior airman, hey, that doesn't seem right. I frame my sentences a little bit differently. Now I say, hey, what is the thought process that took place when this decision was made? Or have you thought about X, Y, or Z? And as I bring up those sentences to leaders um, at my level, I think it takes some of the defense mechanism out of somebody making a decision that maybe doesn't uh, bring in the enlisted perspective of something or, hey, have you thought about X, Y, or Z? When you do that and ask those questions, it gives people uh, a minute to pause and say, hey, did we consider these things? And then that's when I can interject, hey, I'm um, just like you did. This building doesn't seem right this close. This tent doesn't seem right this close. Or maybe this letter um, that the CNGB puts out, could we think of another example to use um, as we talk about this holiday or that holiday? And I think in doing so, with having a diverse background, it helps uh, pause and, and reshape that message that happens. But it's because of those experiences of being able to do those kinds of things. And, and that's why I think our Air Force is great, the innovation that we're able to do, as well as allow people to make decisions at every level, um, will help when we get to this level. Awesome. In preparing for this, um, I was thinking about as a leader, you have obviously airmen below you and people that you work with. Um, and so when you see an airman that maybe doesn't meet your expectations, maybe they didn't, not necessarily doing something wrong, but just like as far as professional development or just doing their best, they don't meet your expectations. How do you handle that? What do you do regards with it? Well, I I recently changed what I think success looks like in an airman, and that's because airmen have different ideas of what success means to them. If I think every airman should strive to be a staff sergeant or a tech sergeant or for every master sergeant to be a chief, and I look at it through that lens of, well, you're not doing this to make chief – Maybe that person doesn't want to be chief, and that's okay. So I've reframed my thought process to what does success look like to that airman, uh, to me as a leader or, or possibly their supervisor, and ultimately what does success mean for the entire organization? Because maybe that airman is being successful in that organization and I've put too much of a spin on it on what I think their success should look like. So in speaking to airmen, I asked them that. What does success look like to you? What do you think you're doing? How do you think you're contributing to the mission? And oftentimes, it is not that the airman isn't doing something right. They're just missing a piece of information. Or maybe I'm missing a piece of information, and they are doing what they should be doing, or that they have um, aspirations to become a chef or, or do something else. And that's where their passion lies 
and it might not necessarily be in uniform. And if they're meeting the standards and they're contributing to the mission, then that is success. It doesn't always have to be, are you doing that next task? Are you doing that next PME? Success means different things to different people and as well to the organization. I think a conversation of really what does that mean uh, really makes a difference. I like hearing that from a... You're on my wavelength here. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then, uh, Airman Knoyer, in your place, I'm not sure, do you have people underneath you right now that you are working with their training or something, or do you have leaders yourselves who you've seen them work that way with you? So in regards to rank, there is no one. Well, there's a couple people below, but we're all around the same. We've been in for around the same time. So I don't look at it necessarily as rank. Um, there's a couple new people in our unit that transferred from other units. So those are people that I see as they might need more help or they might need more understanding on things because they're new and they don't know. Um, and even sometimes newer leaders that come in, they might have questions as well. Um, I Like I said earlier, I think the services leadership is great. They care about us a lot. They We all care about each other. Um, so we, we want to push each other to the next step in succeeding. So... Yeah, those are my thoughts. Cool. It's nice to have people that, that support you, w whatever it is you want to do. Mm -hmm. Yes, because you can either go far, you can either go, uh, you either go fast for a short distance or you can go far as a team. Uh, I heard that at the uh, time conference recently and it kind of like, you know, stuck in my head. Like, that's what leadership is all about. And when we form these teams and we set up this teamwork, leadership becomes synergistic throughout the team. It's that whole 360 degree leadership concept that, yes, you always have a clearly defined leader. And we will always have that in the military. But people like your, your, yourself, Aaron Corner, you are you are forming teams and, and you are filling in gaps and your head's on a swivel and you're getting the mission done. And I just think that that's just... I look at the modern Air Force and I see where we're going and I see the future. And I honestly and truly think that the future looks bright because of the leadership and empowerment we're, we're giving to, you know, all the way down to the lowest level. Uh, wasn't always that way when right. we when Absolutely. we first came in. Right. <laughs> and, and I look at it as a it's not a ladder where only one person can go to the top at a time, right? It's not, it's not that linear. I look at it more like a jungle gym. There's all different kinds of ways that people can get to the top. And maybe you're better at climbing the rock wall, or maybe you're better at doing a ladder, but all of those exist um, in our organizations and you can help each other get there. It just depends on what those people's talents are and how everybody gets there. And the more information you show, you share, and also, you know, the more um, opt you are to lending that hand to help that person to the next level, um, the quicker and the better the team succeeds in getting there. Absolutely. Every, every position um, in, in every promotion should never be a competition for a step up. It should always be a lift up by the team. And, and you, you guys got that down in uh, services support. I, I love that. Um, one of the things that I always like is the skill, like to talk about is the skills that we're developing in the Air Force and what the Air Force is showing us and how are those translating into your personal life, into your civilian life? You know, what, what are you learning wearing the uniform that's translating over to other things that you're doing? And, and Aaron Corner, how is that working for you? What, what skills are you taking from here that you're using in your education or civilian jobs or other, other things? Uh, one big thing I think is organization. Not that I have ever been not organized, but with the services job, there's a lot of paperwork. Um, you have to know where it all is. You have to know what it all means. You have to fill it out correctly. So being organized is like number one. 
Um, I think also speaking with people, like because this is a customer service job. So you have to be, I don't want to say nice to people. You have to work well with people. So I think learning, I've, I feel like I've been a very introverted person, but then coming into the Air Force, it definitely changed that a lot. Um, I have to speak with people all the time um, if I have questions or if they have questions or just to get more information on things um, because services is not only just the food service. It's We have a, you know the lodging aspect, the fitness aspect, and then the mortuary aspect as well. So there's a lot of outsourcing as well that I have to do, um, which I would have never probably succeeded in as well if I had never joined uh, the National Guard. But I also have to say that a lot of the people on this space are very easy to talk to, um, very welcoming as well. So it's not hard to outsource here. Excellent. Chief? I think for me, it's um, being able to do some time management, right? It's very busy in the Pentagon. There are things that change very quickly. Um, does this trip make sense? Does that trip, well, wait a minute, something else has come up. There's a natural disaster. The senior enlisted advisor needs to see those folks and, and look at, um, you know, what that assessment might look like. And because I work up as a part of a team, it's who's going to do what, clearly defining that team and those roles, being very clear with the message. Okay, is that my ball to play with? Is that your task? Is that my task? And then finding the things that people want to maybe improve on as they work on a task, but also their talents as well. It's not always you have to improve on something that you're not good at. That that constantly feels like you're being beat up at work, but maybe your talents are better at this. So I think Defining those and, and seeing what people's passions are and what they do. Some people are better at spreadsheets. I, however, am not. But I have found a teammate that is good at that. And when you do that, that absolutely helps. So time management is huge. And then clearly defining skills and tasks makes a difference at this level. Something can be missed very easily and very quickly uh, that could make um, the outcome not be so great. Awesome. And then with leadership. Could you, we'll start with you, Chief, could you tell me about a time when you struggled maybe with your leadership or as a leader, if you'd like? Well, like I said uh, earlier, I think defining what success means for everyone really makes a difference. Uh, If I thought I have uh, failed at a task or um, a a group project, uh, as the mission happens, uh, if there are commanders that weren't happy about something, as we look back at that, what clearly were those defined goals? And oftentimes it's communication, right? The communication was just missed or it wasn't there at all. And when you don't have that, then people, um, they, they can't meet the mark, right? I, I truly believe that every airman that laces up their boots in the morning does it with the intent to be successful and make the team successful. I don't think anyone puts it on and goes, oh, today I'm really going to mess up. So I think those challenges and realizing that first and foremost is that everybody really tries, and that's why they put it on every day, or they just wouldn't. Taking that into consideration first and then seeing what obstacles maybe people have had um, or explaining to uh, leaders that I work with, these are the obstacles that I'm going through. Let's take that in consideration when we do this task or, or that mission. Communication every single time has, has made a difference. And if 
I struggle, which I often do, I have to remind myself some very basic things. In 24 hours, whatever I've done or think that I have done is probably going to be past, right? We will have made it through. Uh, The other thing that I try to remember is that I didn't do it on purpose. I had the best intent. I always have the best intent. And I think every airman does. And that has allowed me to give some grace to myself and um, allow some grace to uh, those subordinates that you're having that conversation with. And when, say, from from my point of view, if I mess up on something, what is a graceful way to move on from that? Is that like just as simple as going to whoever's above me and saying, hey, maybe I dropped the ball, maybe I didn't consider this? Or Right. I, th- I think um, um, defining it right up front. Hey, I think I dropped the ball on this, uh, which actually I am doing that often asking people, hey, where could I have dropped the ball? Did I drop the ball? And just closing that loop, you know, having another conversation, which I found, I email all the time, but I am very quick to pick up a phone, call another command chief, hey, we're visiting out there. Uh, Where are we with this project? And just having that connection with people, um, but owning up to it right away so that you can get past it. There's always time after after you've made that correction, to go back and see where it was dropped or how you can improve the process. Right at that time is not the time to do it. Uh, Let's get past it. Let's figure out what we need to do, and then we can uh, play the the details over again to find out the after actions. But right at the immediate time is not the time to do it. Gotcha. Thank you, ma'am. Erin Knoyer, has there been a time where you struggled with your leadership? Um, That's hard to say because... I don't think so, especially on a drill weekend. My leadership um, really tells all of us to work as a team. They definitely push that on us to be a team. They want us all to succeed. So I wouldn't say that there's been a struggle with leadership. I definitely think sometimes they push us. They push us very, very hard, but that's because they care and they want us to succeed. Um, We've learned a lot from them. We're very, very close as a unit. We do work very, very well together. Um, and the, our leadership knows that, um, and they definitely tell us that all the time, like the the teamwork makes the dream work. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say there's been a struggle just because of how caring they are with us. So Great leadership there. Yes. Sounds like it's all about communication for, yes. for both of you. One of the things I love to do is is study and read about leadership because I firmly believe that, that leaders aren't born. I think there's, there's maybe 5% of that aspect to it. But leaders are developed and created because of their desire to want to develop into leaders and become more influential people and care about their people. One of the books I read uh, was called Strength-Based Leadership. And what they do is they hone down that the four basic needs of a follower are stability, compassion, trust, and hope. And one of the things I like to hone down on is hope. What are we doing to provide our airmen with hope for a future or hope for a new assignment or hope for development or hope for a career or hope for an opportunity? So... I'm going to kind of ask you both the same question, but in a different aspect. Uh, Airman Kanoyer, do you feel that you're provided with hope for a future and, and, and hope within the organization to develop and to continue to grow? And if so, what, how is that going and what can we do better or what are we doing right? Um, so I do think so, for sure. There's a sense of hope. Um, I think one of the big things that provides hope to other airmen is when we get awards for things or um, when we're recognized for the good things that we do. It's definitely, it's kind of a little, uh, it's like a a sense of pride a little bit to know that we've helped or we've done something so big that it was that noticed or that it helped out that much. 
I even think, um, at least in my unit, they try to see how we are in a role before we are in that role. So they kind of test us to see, are we ready for that role? And if we're not, how can we improve? And if we are, how do we take the next steps to get there? So like I said, they just push us to do better all the time and succeed. And I definitely think it works because I, for me personally, I have a sense of hope that I will, I will continue, um, to make it up there and, you know, succeed. So. Excellent. Chief, how have you provided hope in your different positions and what have you done to, uh, to instill that, that future building with your first sergeants as the fam? which I happen to know a little bit about how you did there, and as a command chief and in your current position. Well, what I try to remind people is that um, not everybody uh, gets to the place that they want to be necessarily um, from a, a well-defined and well-written plan. Um, as you know, um, Chief, I worked very hard to become the first sergeant functional. I worked 10 years to get to that job. And what I thought was um, a couple of easy steps. So I'll do X, Y, and Z. I'll take this course and that course, and then I'll just get there. That's not the way it happened. Um, so I had to be open to that. And other people need to be open. Airmen need to be open as to what uh, that might look like for them. Maybe it's another course. Maybe it's other experiences. Maybe it's education. Um, maybe it's maybe it's being exposed to different units and seeing what right looks like for them. So what I believe is that as people um, look to what is hope, um, where are they struggling and, and do you think you need to get there by this uh, a particular time? Because if you show them other options of maybe you, weren't, you aren't going to be that senior first sergeant, maybe you're not going to be the next superintendent in this squadron, but have you thought about um, all these other kinds of things? I've moved around a lot, uh, so I've had the opportunity to do that. And, and experience other wings and other units and, and other positions. The other thing I think for Hope is just sharing, you know, some of the stories and some of the struggles that I had. Uh, there was a time that I, I mean, I interviewed for the position three times before I got it. Um, I thought that the last time I had interviewed, that just wasn't going to happen. Um, they had chosen somebody and uh, I I thought, well, that person's going to be sitting in the job for three to four years, and my time's just going to run out, and I need to find something else. What I didn't know is other people's lives and other people's careers take them on a different path. And so what you think to be true of that person's going to sit in that position now for three to four years, and my time's run out, that person did not sit there very long, and then they had interviews again, and then... I got the position. So what you think to be true just because you've written it down is not always the case because so many other people's lives and what they're doing is going to um, change your um, opportunities for that as well. So what I tell people is always be ready. Oh, well, that person's in that position, so I don't need to do my PME or I don't need to do the NCO course or the senior NCO course. I'm going to wait and do it next year. What you don't know is maybe that person just got another civilian job and they're moving their family, and now you're not ready, and now they're going to pick somebody else. So I think if you're always ready, which I have tried to be, it allows you for more opportunities that you have no idea are going to come. I tell people all the time, I think the Air National Guard is going to have a space force. And are you ready? If they say, hey, we need 50 people, do you have your PME done? Have you done all those things to, to make yourself ready? Because if not, somebody else has, and maybe they just won't pick you. So I think if you're always ready and realize that um, 
that next step for you uh, isn't that door isn't necessarily closed. It, you just might have to go around a different hallway to get to that door. Yeah. So the future development is is you know looking at both of you, it, it, it's very very key having the opportunity to um, to see advancement and to see your development and you as a leader tempering expectations and making sure they're prepared and help guiding them with a yes you know you may hope to be the you know next state command chief tomorrow but you have these things that you have to accomplish first or you know you might want job x job y might be a better fit so we're tempering as leaders expectation at the same time as fostering enthusiasm and making sure that people are developing along the way so um, I, i like the two viewpoints here and how they kind of like merge together thank you Definitely. One thing that I'm always curious about, my intention in joining the Guard was really just to get a college college experience. Um, so what were, and I shy away from telling people that because I think as soon as they think I'm only here for six years that they're not going to invest that time into me. Um, like you were saying earlier, that's not their picture of success. There's no reason for it. Um, so why did you each join and then has that changed or do you think it will change going into your next enlistment? Um, so I also originally joined for school. Um, I actually did a year of college before I joined. College is very expensive. Um, and my mom was like, why don't you join the Air National Guard? They'll pay for it. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> um, so I also would shy away from telling people that's why I joined because, you know, for the same thing, that I only want to be here for the six years. Um, my perspective has changed. It obviously is very helpful with school, but, um, you make connections with people. You learn to love your job, um, as stressful as it can get. It's part of it. You know, it's, it, it's what makes the job, the job. Um, and I, I also think within, uh, like the leadership I have telling them, you know, I only joined for school. Uh, I only want to be here for one term or, or whatever. They definitely push to, to, keep you here longer not in a bad way but in like a you know you're succeeding so well um you're you're good at what you do you can you can progress and you can do you know it, it it's worth it to stay in it, it definitely is so yes I joined for school but I've I've learned to love being here as well um like the people and everything so it starts from one place but sometimes it can change and uh, I will tell you that I joined because I was a horrible teenager. Um, <laughs> I literally did it just to make my family angry. What a horrible person, right? Uh, I remember telling my father that I joined um, the Navy, um, and his words were, you'll never make it. You don't even like to be told to clean your room. So here I am 36 years later. I'm still in. I have learned to clean my room. And uh, while my path has been different because I've joined different services, I think that um, uh, having that first idea of what this is what I want to do, then the thought after I did my four years of active duty, um, I was out for a very short time. I was, I was still in the, the reserves. But I thought, what do you mean you have to pay for this? And, and what do you mean um, when I come into work a half an hour early and I, I want to debrief or talk about what we're going to do today and people are showing up late and all of that, all of those kinds of things, I I really miss that team momentum, and I miss being part of something bigger. Um, I got right back in, uh, joined the Army Guard and Army Reserves and, and, and did those things. And I, I 
that's part of who I am now, um, is putting on a uniform and being part of a team. I think being open to different ideas and different jobs has definitely um, allowed me some really cool experiences. But had I really stuck in my head, oh, I'm only going to do this and I'm going to get out of the Navy and now I'm done, had I not been open to maybe there's other things and there's other branches or there's other jobs that I could do that I might like, had I not been open to that, I don't, I honestly don't know if I would have been successful in that because I really like this structure of the military. I like knowing that I can succeed. Um, and uh, I, while I don't think there's going to be another enlistment for me, um, it, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to still do military things because I want to do that um, when I retire. Uh, but this has been such a big part of my life. And now I realize all of those great um all of those great things that I'm going to get afterwards, right? Like the retirement and my health care. And you don't think about those things when you're younger and you don't necessarily think about how much it costs to have health care until you get out and, and see those or talk to other friends that, that have to pay for health care or maybe their deductible is thousands of dollars, those kinds of things. And I think if you don't know that, um, then you just kind of take it for granted. So I have been able to look at the outside because I was a traditional for over 15 years and, and see what that is and see what the military has done for me. So it's been great. It is a great ride. I, uh, I joined the Marine Corps and it was going to be four years and done. I did it to gain some benefits and to go to school after. And here I sit 30 some odd years later, you know, having been in every branch of the service, I think I started as a centurion back in, uh, you know, 150 years ago, but I just, it, it's just been a great ride because you never know what you're going to get next. And, and it just becomes, it can become part of you. And along the way, we meet leaders and we meet people that make differences in our lives. Uh, one of the people who made the biggest impact in my life was a gunnery sergeant by the name of Gunnery Sergeant Green back when I was a Marine. He wasn't even in my platoon or my section. And all he did was see that I had something on my mind and you could tell I was in distress and he stopped and he had a conversation with me and he helped guide me. And I saw leadership in that and I saw value in that and made all the difference in the world to me. And that still is somebody that was a leader that made a difference to me that I always remember. Who do each of you have that's been in the military at these aspects in your career that you've had that leader that's made a difference in some way or another? Yeah. Aaron McNoyer, do you have somebody in mind? Um, there is someone in mind. Um, she's the new commander of services, Major Heen. So I haven't known her for, for very long. She actually grew up in the same town that I grew up, um, which I didn't know. But she has shown and her short time already of being the commander of FSS, that she cares a lot about the unit, but she wants us to all to succeed. Um, she likes to watch us succeed. She, if there's any issues, she brings it down the chain so we know what, what, what issues there are and how we can fix them. Um, talking to her, she's very personable as well. Um, I want to be like her, I guess you could say one day, because she's, she's, She's just great. She's, I think she's organized. I think she cares a lot. She wants to talk to each of us individually, which I think is very important as a leader. She's so far impact, uh, impacted my career in the military for sure because watching her do what she does, it's, I love it. Outstanding. Chief. I think for me, I've had uh, several mentors along the way. Um, uh, my father, a retired first sergeant. Uh, so when I would come up to with first sergeant, 
um, struggles, uh, calling my dad and saying, hey, dad, what about this? And, and those things really, believe it or not, have, haven't changed throughout the years in, in first sergeant issues. Uh, so my dad has been a big uh, part of as I reach back and, and look for those other people that can help me make decisions. I worked for a Marine Sergeant Major, um, uh, Scott Maiku, uh, when I was at the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. Uh, Marines give feedback a little bit differently than Air Force people do. I think I cried a couple of times. I wasn't used to somebody saying, hey, what are you thinking? You know, what, what are you doing? Those kinds of things in that kind of, uh, type of a voice. Uh, uh, though it was very mentoring, uh, we're still friends. He offers me a lot of guidance. Um, I also reached out at one point when I was a master sergeant to a chief that I knew that was retiring in my wing, um, Chief David Beal and said, hey, will you be my formal mentor? Um, took him out for coffee. Having somebody uh, in a different AFSC that has a different outlook on things that isn't part of that small group that you can often be in and and share those same kind of feelings about a particular problem set that, that happens. If you have somebody from the outside, they have a different perspective about things. And because he was a chief and I was a master sergeant, I learned a lot from him. He would give me tasks. Uh, we would meet for lunch. I learned very quickly. I wasn't eating lunch. I was taking notes and the retired chief at the time was eating lunch, but I've learned a lot from them. And I still continue to reach out to them, say, what do you think about these things? And it has guided me along the way and given me different perspectives and allowed me to be successful, I think. Thank you. Um, I was going to say, I could share mine, but I'm not sure that I'm, I mean, he might be sitting here with me and that <laughs> might be a little <laughs> awkward, but I don't know. He pushes me to be my best, uh, Mr. Sandlin here. Um, I wanted to ask, Chief, you do a lot at higher levels, a lot with joint services. Am I wrong? I do. I do. Um, is there, and Chief Sullivan, I think you're talking to me about part of your job as the new uh, state command chief. You're looking to do more jointly and cooperating with other people. So is there any resistance to working jointly and maybe to anybody who hasn't worked with other uh, services before? What advice might you give to them? Maybe they've... Like you're saying with the Marines, you know, they talk a different way. How would you? <laughs> right, right. And so as soon as I learned that the sergeant major had no intent um, with his tone of voice of screaming for me from across the hall, that was to get my attention quickly, uh, which is what the Marines have to do, right? I mean, the, their, their mission is very different. Their mission set is different. They don't have necessarily all the leisurely time to talk about something and then, you know, get to the answer. Uh, so as soon as I realized that, that was helpful. The other thing is that the rank structure is very different for enlisted. When you when you receive those um, responsibilities for taking care of airmen, taking care of soldiers, taking care of Marines, that comes at different times in your career for different branches of service. When you understand those, it makes a difference when you work with them, when you understand that in the Army a specialist has quite a few people um, that work for him or a sergeant has a squad that works um, um, for them, that that makes a difference first and foremost. The language difference, while they might um, use a different tone of voice, that doesn't mean that they're not trying to get the same thing done. So I don't think that there's necessarily a pushback, but if you understand their mission set, which makes a big difference, if you understand their rank structure, it makes a big difference. And also, if you're just open to not having your feelings hurt or just saying, I don't understand that acronym. Uh, there's lots of times that I work with the sergeant major that's in my office. I will see something come down in a task and have no idea what that acronym is, even though 
I've been to the Sergeant Majors Academy, even though I was in the Army Guard and Reserve. I don't have any idea. So it's okay to say I don't understand that. What exactly does that mean? It opens up the doors for um, uh, more um, cohesiveness for the team. And I think if you just identify those, that's what makes a difference. And I absolutely see the Guard working more joint things together. Absolutely. It all comes down to perspective and understanding and getting out there. I think there is a desire for airmen and soldiers to work together. But what happens, because we don't understand capabilities, mission sets, uh, lingo, unless you're in a deployed environment, it's almost like your first middle school dance where you have the boys on one wall and the girls on the other wall and everybody's waiting to make the first move because nobody really understands the other side. So um, one of the things I'd like to see happen within the state, because it's the only thing I'll have control over, is finding more of those opportunities where we can overlap to see what skill sets we have to benefit in that, that the, the, uh, the Army could take away and vice versa, and to try to get some more of that synergy going together. Because in the incoming fight, especially if it, General Brown summed it up correctly, you know, accelerate, change, or lose, um, it's scary to hear the term lose put forth by by your your commander it says hey you know we could lose something um one of the things that i think we really need to work on is where we can fill in each other's gaps and more working synergistically together on a lot of things so that's one of the things i want to uh, uh work with um command sergeant majors uh, within the state uh on and finding those opportunities where we can benefit each other's skill sets and develop together. Uh, where that overlap lies and how far we can go with it remains to be seen because you can't take away from, you know, what job and AFSC or whatever, how can we overlap this without taking valuable airmen's times away from mission sets, et cetera. But I know that there's a path. I know there is. We're just going to crack the code and try to provide more of that joint opportunity and become one armed force. Cool. Thank you guys mm-hmm. so much. I think we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, go with our final question. And I just want to wrap up. What final thoughts or words of wisdom or, or any takeaways uh, do you have for our audience? Airman Um For other airmen, um, I would say not giving up because sometimes, sometimes it is harder for other people to succeed or they ha- maybe have barriers somewhere and it's harder for them to reach. Like, like you said earlier, it's not a competition um, with ranking up, things like that. So I think not giving up is like a, a very big thing because I've been in the situation before and it's hard to like come out of a situation like that. But when you have people around you that are trying to lift you up and give you the things that you need, um, it definitely helps a lot. So and I try to do it myself with the people in my unit. We care about each other. So I don't want someone that I care about to be giving up if I know that I can help them or give them the resources they need. So that's, that's what I, that's my advice. Chief. I I think for me to, um, for, for airmen to understand an airman, I mean, you know, big a airman, uh, to have, um, some empathy for each other, um, of what someone could be going through, um, have a coach, have a mentor, have that circle of trust of people that you can confide in, um, if success for you uh, means starting a business, then surround yourself with those people um, that lift you up to do that. Um, and have some accountability with each other. If you see somebody struggling, you know, reach out to them and make sure that everybody is doing that and, and working as a team. Because what I've 
unfortunately found is as I call people and say, hey, how are you doing? Well, you know, I've reached out to this resource or that one and I just didn't hear back. So doing that, I think if we do that, if we continue to do that as as airmen, then um, we can try to take care of each other and, and not watch as many struggles and and just have some grace for yourself and those that work around you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you both. This will wrap it up. If you uh, haven't already, share this podcast with a friend, please. Chief Sullivan, last words? Uh, just uh, looking forward to remaining on the podcast, even though I'm changing assignments Woo-hoo. and branching it out. Um, we're going to start including airmen from the 104th to sit in here so we can make this more of a uh, of, of a, a statewide and a guardwide podcast. And as I'm getting feedback on Facebook, et cetera, I, I see a lot of shares on these. So I'm glad that we're adding value. So if anybody out there listening has anybody else that they think that they uh, feel uh, they would like to hear uh, on this podcast, any airmen or or any senior leaders, uh, please come forward and just thank you all for your support. And as long as we can provide some value out there to our enlisted force, we're just going to keep going. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks.